Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard our special edition of Human Events, the Human Events special, The Holy Land. Kevin and I are here in downtown Jerusalem, and we've just spent one week here in the Holy Land together. Now the rest of the family was with us, the boys, my wife, the beautiful and lovely Tanya Tay, my parents, got them out. Even got dad, we even got dad off the couch, you yeah. know, got him in. He came out and he walked and climbed all over, all over yeah. every site we took him to here like a champ, like an absolute champ. Great with the kids, everything else, but we just wrapped that up and before... It's the first time I got to meet Olga too. Before we wanted to go, right? Yep, my sister. And before we wanted to go, uh, we wanted to sit down and really have a discussion for the show. We've been filming things along the way, so we'll be able to show you some of those experiences that we had, but really give you an understanding of why it was that we came to the Holy Land, what we experienced while we were here. Some of the, of course, if you remember when we went to Ukraine, I focused more on the political military situation, whereas Kev focused more on sort of what was going on the ground. How are supplies run? How do people live? How are things uh, built and rebuilt and the construction and all of this? And of course, that's still going on as we record this. Even the city of Mykolaiv, where, where we visited, is still under attack as of right now. But this time around, we had the opportunity, thanks to Turning Point USA, to bring us to the Holy Land. And so I'm so gracious for Turning Point for having the ability to help us out with that. So Absolutely. essentially what we did was a figure eight, if you want to think of it that way, we sort of did the Dead Sea, then up to Galilee, then back down um, to the site of Christ's baptism, and then back across to Jerusalem for the end. So, uh, so let's say, so now I've been here once before, just to set the stage. So Tanya and I did our honeymoon here in Israel but Kevin, this is your first time to the Middle East. Sure is. At all. So, so tell me, what was it like? What was it like just getting off the airplane, getting in the car, and driving across the desert that first night? Because we drove all the first night all the way from the airport in Tel Aviv, Bangarian Airport, all the way to the Dead Sea. And we then did. we slept on the shores of the Dead Sea that first night. Well, I tell you, I mean, we've done so much on this on this adventure. Uh, it's hard to even recall, actually, but the trip driving over like was a blur. Great. Yeah, like a blur. Yeah. It feels like I've been here like a month, and a lot of people are actually saying that too. But that's great. I mean, driving over though, it was it was pretty beautiful. I mean, clear skies, the stars were out, like, and you could tell we were definitely in the desert. <laughs> Not too much light pollution there. No huh? light pollution. No. <laughs> nope. But yeah, it was a lot of fun driving over. And of and course, of course, I cranked. It felt like when we were in Denver or like California, like it wasn't like the Swiss Alps, but you could see like the rolling hills. It was and, night. Uh, yeah, it was nighttime, of course. However, the one difference was that I found uh, whatever Jordanian radio channel I could find, then plugged it in and cranked it all the way to the max. <laughs> yeah, the entire two hours of the drive. I had no idea what they were saying. But. <laughs> I have a theory that it's actually all just one song on a loop. That was my theory. It's like house music, you know, where they just do the one song. It's loop, 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 loop. And of course, Dad's sitting there. You got rhythm, you got rhythm. Oh, we had Dad in the car, too. 
And that yeah. was the whole experience. What are you, what are you stopping oh, here for? No, turn, no, oh, go this way. No, oh, go that way. What are you doing? The backseat driver, <laughs> the definition. Pol we got, got, if any of, you, any of you guys out there have a Polish dad or you know, a Slavic father, yeah. uh, you'll know exactly what it, what it, what it is. Totally. Like, yeah, no dad, I'm good. I got, I got, got Captain Google right here is taking care of me. St got the SIM card, you know. I was, yeah. Been here before, as a matter of fact. So you know, I have a basic idea of, of my bearings. Stubborn, stubborn as a rusty nail. Yes. <laughs> exactly. He just got his, just got his hip replaced. I'm like, Dad, you want to sit up front? Like, I asked him like three times. He's like, No, no. No, he I'm wouldn't fine. do it. No, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't sit up front. But he would keep complaining. Yes. Oh my knee. Oh, this is so cramped back here. I said, Dad, because when we stop. So we finally stopped. The first place we stopped. Vetching, cutting across the uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we finally stopped at Beersheba, the first place, which was, of course, where Abraham dug the well. Um, it was a watering hole back in those times, back in biblical times. Mm -hmm. And it, in, in a sense, it kind of still is today because that's, that's your main stop while you're going across the desert. So I thought that was interesting. It made me think a lot about how... So when you, when you come to the Holy Land and you actually traverse this terrain, you, it gives you an understanding of the Bible that... It's hard to have without having this, this tactile feel of what it actually means to cross the desert of Samaria, what it means to go from Galilee to Judea to Jerusalem, to come from Nazareth to, to be in Bethlehem, right? This idea that, you know, when you're, when you're coming through a desert and there's only one well, you know, of course, Everybody's going to be fighting over that. Of course, that's going to be extremely important. It's going to be something that it makes sense, right? So it makes sense why that well or Jerusalem or some of the other main sites have become so many friction points back then, even as, in a sense, as they still are today, maybe not for the same exact reasons. But early on, you really get that understanding of the whole Jordan River Valley and then some of these wells in these areas where you could have uh, could have water, could have any, just any kind of sustenance. Because you got to imagine they're not, you know, they're not driving the Mazda or um, I don't even remember what we had all the way through the desert. They had nothing. No. They, had, they had camels, they camels, had donkeys, donkeys, and that's it. Horses? Mm, not really. Probably not. So you're just traveling. You're just traveling through, and that's all you got. So it gives you it gives you more of an appreciation too for understanding. For us, it was a long night. But imagine yeah. them actually having to sleep out there. But then again, that's where the desert fathers were. Right. From the book of Hebrews. Exactly. Where they gained much of their wisdom and experience. Well, you learn a lot, right? And there were some days where, you know, you couldn't even compare it, but just some days where we were out um, walking a lot and getting up. Maybe we should, we should even talk about the next, um, the next we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but uh, what it was like getting a little taste of that, just a little taste of that. Nothing, nothing major, but what was it like when, I remember, because we stayed in that guest house that we found on the Dead Sea, and I don't think you realized how close we were I when did. you woke up. So what was yeah. it like waking up, stepping outside the front door of the courtyard, turning right, and then boom, palm trees, the Dead Sea is sitting right there, Jordan across in the mountains. Yeah, it was it was breathtaking. I mean, honestly, I went out the night. After That's right. We you went out the night off. Right, you were out the night off. It was off, a yeah. full moon. I brought my rosary with me. Went out on this little man-made peninsula. Watched the guys working, and uh, 
I got to see all like the, the calcified rocks along the shoreline. It was pretty moving. Um, and the wind was blowing. It was uh, very romantic. I get a criticism of that. I'm a romantic kind of guy. Mm -hmm. The uh, the atmosphere was 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 very special and moving, um, but yeah, I just took my time out there and and prayed, and it felt very different. Um, and that's kind of the theme of this whole this whole trip. Uh, you can ask, Lois, it, ask Lois. the whole group. Um, everybody is saying like, this is a lot different than any other previous event. There's like a spirit in the air. Absolutely, and and you, well, even it's even there, ground. that's that's it's the lowest. Ground the lowest point, the Dead Sea, the lowest surface point on the earth, face of the earth um, that you right. can walk. And then that sea, of course, doesn't hold anything. But in the southern end, so we were staying on the southern end, and they actually have a lot of excavation that goes on there to get the salt out. Yeah. So that, that you get it up. And that's what we saw was dredgers and excavators, and they were just pulling the salt yeah, out. Yeah, I didn't read too much about that yet. But there's apparently some work being done now to convert it to energy. There is. Forget the name of it. They're, but that, they're actually that came finding ways to as that. I was uh, researching. So like. they've they've divvied up with Jordan, mm -hmm. who's on the other side, mm -hmm. and they're at, they're finding ways to actually try to try to turn that into uh, into electric plants. Because of course, energy and just like just like before, living yeah. in the desert has its own set of realities that you have to figure out if you're going to spend time out there. It's unlike any other body of water I've ever been in. I put my hand in, and it felt like there's like there's remember back in the day those machines like you put your hand in and it like covers it in wax. No. Okay. Well. What were it, you doing? <laughs> covering hand in wax. Not a lot of things. Oh, okay. You don't know about. <laughs> but uh, it just felt like oil or like hyssop anointing oil. What else like did you get waxed, Kev? Uh, <laughs> what else did you get waxed? Well, I got something on my sh on my shoulder last night. Yeah, I know you got something. Yeah, I heard mom find out about to, that. You yeah. might have to subscribe to get to. Oh, get subscribe! To see subscribe. That. That's an Instagram exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did yeah. you actually film it? Uh, a number of people did. Yeah. Oh that'll, boy, here we go. Instagram exclusive coming folks. out pretty soon. Okay, I've got some new bumper stickers. So, so we're we're coming through the Dead Sea. You wake up first morning. We're there. And I, I think we got a great photo, actually, of mom and dad just sort of walking towards the Dead Sea. And I, I just thought it was great for them, um, for everybody. And, and I would say this for the rest of the trip, but you got to come at least once. You got to come at least once, see it, experience it, mm -hmm. walk those stones. There's so many See those places. Like they... Everywhere kind of is like so close to a border, and it's like yeah. you look across and you see Jordan, yeah, and uh, multiple times throughout the trip. But there's like, yeah, so many, so many. It's not big. Moments like that, right? It's not the yeah. whole country's not about it's the size like the, of New Jersey. Yeah, Jersey. It's not. It's not big. I mean, you can do the whole thing up and down in in a week, ten days, give or take. Mm -hmm. But um, then the next, so it's, it was just great to see mom and dad though being there yeah. with them and, and Tanya and I had come before and so and going um, in the going in the Dead Sea well, he's got a story behind that but yeah I, I don't like the Dead Sea I'm not a Whatever fan you do, not even shave. a fan the Dead Sea lots of history lots of culture health I understand personally not a fan not a fan when here last time five years ago 
never going back. Never, ever. Why? Because I jumped in and everybody said, just go ahead and jump in. And then boom, I had that stuff on me like a chrism for a week, stinging my eyes, every little scrape and scratch you have. Not a fan, put on the mud, enjoy it. At least they have rinsing stations now. They didn't have that before five years ago. Not a fan, never going back. The Dead Sea, take it or leave it. But if, the way I look at it is, God said that he doesn't want any living thing in there and we ought to abide by it. I shaved Not the night before. Not even a little bit of a fan. Was on fire. You shaved the night before you went in? I didn't know. Got our genius over here, folks. Real smart guy. It's supposed to be like his holy and sacred water and <laughs> soothing for your skin. Everybody sells it at the mall. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it, it was. No, the clay, the mud clay is supposed to be good for your skin. Felt like mace. <laughs> but they have. I would still recommend it though. Just don't now, get it in your eyes. That being said, don't drink it. I don't have any room to speak because the last time that I went, the first time when we were here on a honeymoon, I, I go in up to my knees and I say, oh, this is great. This is great. It's, it's very rocky. So yeah, the stones are all over. But, uh, and then Tanya, of course, is filming. She goes, jump in, jump in, jump in. Oh, so you started putting it course, on Tanya. No, no, she said, no, hold on, she says it. No, she does, and I have it on footage. Okay. So don't even try to say I'm putting it on her, because she, she said it. But we go through, and of course, me being me, I got to dive in. So I dove in and just... R rules don't apply to Poso. Total force <laughs> of habit, open my eyes, underwater, in the Dead Sea, and... Pff, Long story short, I was blind for about four hours after that. Um, Tanya had to drive home. Uh, yeah, that was not a good experience. And uh, this time around, I think I put my hand in and that was, that was good enough for me. Yeah. I was fine. The, and no, I didn't do the blackface with the mud or any of that. That did no. work though, that did work. And what? they have hoses of like regular water, you could wash it all off too. They like, didn't have that before. When I was yeah. here five years ago, they've actually built up, so we went to um, Halia Beach, uh -huh. and we are, we're skipping around a little bit for those of you who know the geography, but um, they that wasn't as built up before. Now they had already had like the, you know, the restaurants and everything at the top, but the way that it, they had those nice showers and places where you could just wash off. That was yeah. not there five years ago. So even like right um, on the dock. Yeah, had that like had that been around before, <laughs> had that been around, uh, that in the first instance probably would have would have felt a little better about it. But yeah, I, I remember I also um, I, learned, I think I cut my foot on a rock and that thing opened up in the Dead Sea and that was that was an experience. But being able to float on it, yeah. check the box did the Dead Sea, amazing. And remember, of course, as we know, connected back, the Dead Sea, this is also the location uh, that we are told in the Bible, east of Abraham's tent, is the location of Sodom and Gomorrah. Correct. Yes. So this, this was the area where, and there, there is a huge pillar of salt. Um, it's like rock salt at this point that you can go past. I don't think we went there this time, but I was looking it up. And they actually refer to it as Lot's wife. It's I right there. See that. Yeah. And our and this is the crazy thing is that archaeological studies, this one that just came out a couple of months ago, mm -hmm. 
actually shows that scientifically they've found that there was a city, there was a tell, pretty much in that exact location, right off the Dead Sea, that about 4,000 years ago was destroyed by a meteor that flew in from the sky and then exploded over the city with the what? force of 100%, with the force of a thousand Hiroshima atomic bombs, so a thousand Hiroshimas, that we've actually found evidence that 4,000 years ago, this event did take place, they called it a cosmic airburst that destroyed an entire city at the, in, the, in the exact location that the Bible describes where Sodom and Gomorrah were. Where is this from? What reference is that? This is a new study that just came out a couple of months ago. Okay. And there's been a lot of evidence and a lot of theorizing that this city in the past was the city of Sodom, uh, connecting the two. Now the archeological survey that was done here wasn't done from any perspective of trying to connect it to Sodom, but they did say that yes, they're almost certain that the city that they're looking at was destroyed 4,000 years ago by a cosmic airburst, by a meteor. Yeah. Yeah. Righteous. Yeah. So, and again, it's exactly where the Bible says it was. And so, of course, for the non-believers, they would say, well, clearly the meteor hit the city and then... Which city? Sodom. Okay. Okay. And okay. so they would say, the meteor hit the city, and then the story was written after the fact, you know, as uh, a way of okay. explaining what okay. happened. Uh, okay. But for believers, sense. we would also point, we would point out though that this has been a story that we've passed down for thousands and thousands of years, and now right. science is just catching up. Right. That's so why would like this one? The right. Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, we get that later. Which, but. well, I mean, it, we're, we were there. So right before we went into the Dead Sea, because we were, if, if for those following the geography of this, we stopped at the cave of Qumran, where the Dead Sea <coughs> Scrolls were found. There's various stories about yeah. how they were discovered, but the idea was back in the 1940s. They went into this cave, and they found that this group of um, Jewish shepherds. She well, no, no, no. I'm talking about the the Essenes. So the Essenes had preserved these scrolls oh, at yes. this time and did so in such a way on leather so that, and because, and because again, this is right off the Dead Sea, one of the driest places in the entire world. So because they were, it was on leather, they were preserved in clay jars and it's one of the driest and most arid places in of the cave. world, plus in a cave, so, so protected from the elements, that these two thousand year old scrolls were found and to the point where you could even still read them. It's ancient right. Hebrew, but you could still read them and they contain the oldest copies of the Bible that we still have to have ever been found. Yeah, just to like tie in the fact like the theory comes out and then about the cosmic airburst. Right. But they find the Dead Sea Scrolls and then bring the oldest translations to the Dead Sea Scrolls, put them together, and the words match exactly. Right, that's exactly right. So the the they brought Dating the they brought the translations. Years they brought earlier. the translations of you know the current Bible as we have it, 
and compared it to Dead Sea Scrolls. So obviously, if there were some, hey, well, these are receipts, and mm -hmm. so we'd now be able to know these are the closest to the actual source writings that exist, and it turns out that guess what? It was the same writing. So that means that the, that the process of the preservation of the Bible that went on through the centuries, through the ages, the Middle Ages, and in the Middle Ages in Europe, for example, I mean, it really was the only people that were, were doing reading and writing, that was the priests, that was the monks, yeah. that, was the, that was the monasteries. They were the ones, the, uh, the Franciscans, the Benedictines, they were the ones that were keeping all of this going on for hundreds of years at, the, at that point and really carried that light all the way through those ages. Yeah. So you didn't have uh, you know, printing presses, and then this is where yeah. you get your illuminated manuscripts and your co codexes. Well, illuminated stained glass, too. Stained glass, for that's true. For people who were right. illiterate. Right. And the magnificence of the structure itself, mm -hmm. the Gothic architecture, and mostly just the stained glass. I don't want to get into like different styles, but the paintings, the large right. paintings. So or, or at the Vatican, the statue, every, everything. Everything, The most, the most yeah. gorgeous artwork in the world. They relied on art rather than literacy. Mm -hmm. And so the, the point, though, is that they were able to find these scrolls. The scrolls matched. So, the, so it says, hey, if the translations were correct, it was handed down to us properly. We can now go back. We can roll back that they, clock they another 2,000 years. They were even scared years. to publish it. Remember yeah. you said that too? For like four or five years. Well, that's, that's pretty much any academic study, though. Sure. They'll be that way. But if the Bible was had different stories in the beginning, it would change, change the foundation. Well, there is one interesting uh, angle to this that... One of, the, one of the scrolls found at Qumran, of course they had the scroll of Isaiah, they had uh, all the major prophets, but one of the scrolls found at Qumran was the Book of Enoch. You mentioned that. Yeah. And the tour guide said that was a little balagan. Yeah, he said it was a balagan. So one of the issues with this, of course, is that the Book of Enoch is considered apocrypha by every major church, every major um, Jewish sect that doesn't you know, doesn't consider it to be valid, but, but except I believe the Ethiopians is the only one. Ah. But the Essenes clearly thought that there was, some, there was some importance to it, and so they kept it safe. And one of the interesting pieces of the Book of Enoch, and we can find in the New Testament and Old Testament, there are references and words that seem to have been taken from this Book of Enoch, which you know, that makes sense. I mean, I've got books at home that aren't the Bible, right? Sure. You know, so it, it certainly was something that was floating around at this time, but probably one of the most, um, one of the passages in it that stands out the most and, and one of the, the writings is the fact that it talks about the dealings of the creation of demigods. This idea that fallen angels were commingling if you will, with human women and creating a race of hybrid beings that, and if you go to Genesis 6, Genesis 6 says that these were the Nephilim. And the Nephilim, or which, which the King James... Not the Anunnaki? Not the Anunnaki, no. The Nephilim, which the King James Version uh, translates as giants. Yeah that they were the great heroes and the great warriors of old. 
and then there's there's other you know versions. There's other sort of divisions of the subdivisions of the Nephilim. The Rephaim is, is one of these, and there's an, there's thought that Goliath was one Goliath. of the one of the descendants of the Nephilim at one point, and it says that this was in, in the days before the flood. Hmm. So it could be, and there's a lot of scholarship on this. It could be that one of the reasons of the flood was to wipe out the Nephilim in the first instance because Perhaps. of what because of because they were never intended to be created that this was something that was outside of God's creation that um, <clears throat> that the angels and the fallen angels yeah. and humans were creating together I guess that would fit into the context of like the world was like covered with sin mm -hmm. like it's well, plausible so, yeah right and then so the theory goes a little bit further even that the reason that the fallen angels were doing this was because they knew that the Messiah was to come from humanity and that to yeah. come from men and that they knew that the Messiah would have domination over them and so because they didn't want that to happen because they thought that maybe they could put a put a wrench in God's design because of course you can't it's interesting you if, if, if you try if you want to overthrow God, if you want to, they talk about the rebellion of heaven. So, of course, okay. you can't, you couldn't right. defeat God, right? right? No, nothing could defeat. What are you going to do? You got to throw something at him? You know, you, know, you can't. But yeah. you could come into creation. And, of course, we know the first instance of, of being deceptive, the serpent, tempting you with sin. Of course, these are, yeah. these are ways to... Um, to defile creation and to tempt humans into sin, but another way that at one point the Bible says, and this is, Genesis 6 is in the Bible, the Nephilim, mm -hmm. and this is referring to this, this idea that a hybrid race was created in order to, um, in order to try to stop the creation of the Messiah. You keep mentioning the word creation too though, but what did Noah bring on the ark? Right. What did, and what didn't he bring? What didn't he bring? Yes. We all know who took out Goliath, though, right? King David. Who just got back from there. Who just visited his tomb, that's right. So, so this, this is a connection. This is a connection to some of the stuff that goes even further back. I mean, everything here is connected. That's... After the flood. That's was after that the flood. It yeah. was after the flood. Yeah. And so the theory goes a little bit further, even, that says that, if you, that the book of Joshua, if you take this reading of it, then that means the book of Joshua, they're not just fighting other tribes, they're fighting giants. Mm -hmm. And they're clearing the land of Cana of these giants. And so that, that some had survived, and maybe not giants in the, you know, sort of cartoon version, but maybe just larger, stronger, yeah. more powerful, sure. perhaps having some kind of supernatural or spiritual. Yeah, um, well, because even in our... Our life, not our lifetime, but Andre the Giant yeah. it wasn't even 100 years ago. Well, so there's two. There's it's gigantism. There's two translations. Like mutation. Even on on Goliath, there's two translations of his height. One of the translations has his height as about six foot nine. So okay, big, big. You know, very big. The other translation has his height as about nine foot nine. Hmm, which would be an actual giant. Yeah. Something not human. 
And so it's, it's just an interesting take, and I don't know that I endorse it, but I'm, that, that's the explanation of it. But um, getting back to it, so away from the Dead Sea Scrolls as we're going through the land. Uh, by the way, we did go to Mount Bental, so I did look for King Og while I was up there in King Og's bed, another one of the potential giants, yeah. the land of Bashan. Um, that one of the, so we, we climbed Masada. We did. We climbed Masada. We definitely did. Well, actually, that was one of my first reflections of seeing the history of Masada like, and reading Maccabees along the way is that these people fled from Romans, but they still fought with such ferocity, with nothing. They didn't have cell phones, they didn't have technology, like they barely had water. Um, they had food, well, let's they had family, and they had traditions. And that's all what Maccabees well, is about. Let's explain like defying what, the king. what Masada is sure. for people who don't know what it is. So Masada is this huge castle fortress. Um, it's actually a resort of King Herod the Great that was built on the banks of the Dead Sea. It was built just after, or well, I should say it, it was built just before the time of Christ. So it's about 2,000 years old, it's concurrent with Christ, but this revolt that Kevin is talking about took place just after about 70 AD, one of the Jewish revolts. And this is of course when the temple was destroyed by the Romans. First temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. But during this time, um, King Herod had built a giant palace on top of a mountain, all the way out in the desert, all the way overlooking the Dead Sea. And it's this huge, and, and it's still there today. The ruins are still there. You can go, you can visit. There's a path on the way up the that snake you can trail. climb. It's called the Snake Path. We did it. We, we did walked the, it. We did the Snake Path. Pilgrimage. There is another. There is another path that's even longer. It takes like three hours to get up. And uh -huh. then, the, then there's the Roman ramp, which is around the backside. So when yep. the Romans attacked, they built this ramp. You can still see it today. And there's a cable car, of course, <laughs> for the kids. But um, what did it? And, and so when, when the, the zealots who were, who were there essentially staying away from the Romans, they were able to hold out for three years, three years under siege from the Romans in this palace mm -hmm. on the top of a mountain in the middle of the desert, middle of the desert, with nothing other than the supplies that they had brought with them. So they had a cistern up there, but no, no running water, keep in mind, just on the top of Masada. Yeah, it just, it just brought this up too. Like, this was from the tomb of King David. Um, mm -hmm. Just to like, emphasize like, how they fought. But it says, and I should merit to be bold like a leopard, light as an eagle, run like a, like a deer and strong as a lion to do the desire of our Father in Heaven. That's, I don't Amen. know if that's, is that from Maccabees? But it's from, from this prayer. They give, it, they give it to everybody that enters. But comparatively to the United States of America, and like if we had an enemy force like attack us, we kind of mentioned it in the last podcast, but like where is our unity? Where's our like pride? And well, I think if anything, it's a fantastic example. You probably have half the people in the U.S. basically say, oh, well, it's probably better than our stupid racist, uh, anti-immigrant, 
anti-woman, uh, capitalist, government, and they, you'd almost think that some of the people in the U.S. today might, might welcome a change of government. Right, right. Which, of course, is, as you go through the Holy Land, you, you find out that one of the, the pieces of history here, and, then, and obviously gets into the current situation, is that, you know, we are, or this land has gone through so many changes in terms of who's in charge of it, whether it be, whether it be the Israelites, whether it be uh, the Babylonians, whether it be the Neo-Babylonians, whether it be Rome, whether it be Byzantium, whether it be the Ottoman Turks, the British, okay? And now it is a sovereign state again. And so it's, it's really a story that of just constant cycles of change. It's an example of having faith and your traditions till the end like how, how the battle ended. Even when the Romans came, they did not surrender. No, they did not. And so at the end, rather than surrender, rather than being taken into captivity, they, did, they decided to take their own lives in Masada. And it was, I believe there were some, some women and children were the only ones at the very end who were left when the Romans came up. So we climbed it and we made sure that we weren't, we weren't taking no cable car, that's for sure. And that being said, we took the snake path. Honestly, snake path wasn't that bad. I didn't, do you think it was that bad? No, it was easy. It was no. about a mile, or a mile, but maybe half a mile up, and it took us 35 minutes, I believe. 35 to get minutes, up. yep. Yeah, it was fine. I, th I would Light say. Light humidity, uh, it was hot. Wouldn't, have, wouldn't take the kids, I and mean, they say do it in the morning. We did around 8 a.m. Um, I don't know that I would have taken the kids, even Jack-Jack at age four. Yeah. Though I did take him through Hezekiah. We did take both the kids through Hezekiah's tunnels. Yes, we did. Yes, that we was, did. That was that's here. That's here in Jerusalem. Just an amazing experience. You know, this ancient uh, aqueduct under, this, under the old city of Jerusalem. But that, the, that's part of, like, actually doing a pilgrimage, too. It's like walking and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of lost in the modern day, but, like working and sacrificing as like a way of penance and like a prayer to God, even right. without your words, without all like your beautiful phrases or Instagram posts or whatever, just like, just walking, you know, as like an offer to God, like up the mountain mm -hmm. and doing things like that. Hezekiah's um, tunnel, by the way, the water comes up to your waist without, just about. Without accolades, right? Right, without accolades. So... I felt like it was it was pure. Mm -hmm. And the kids loved it up there. They loved the, they loved the castle. They loved the ruins. They well, were having a great time. They loved Langetti a little better. They I did. Say. And so after after that, we went to the beautiful and very special oasis of Langetti. And if you have time, if you're visiting the Dead Sea, do not skip Langetti. This was so. This was, by the way the oasis where King David hid out after King Saul was going after him. And it's this gorgeous oasis right off the, essentially the side of the Dead Sea, about halfway down from the northern part of it. And you walk in and you climb through. It's, it's some of the most pure, fresh water that you'll ever see. And it's coming through the desert. It's filtered all the way through, through the sandstone and it's fresh. So it's not like the salt water of the Dead Sea. It's all fresh. I think it's the closest large 
freshwater source to anywhere near the Dead Sea. And so there's trees there, there's plants, and, it's, yeah. and you walk up Ibex. and there's a series, Ibex, that's right. And there's a series of about, what, about like a dozen waterfalls as you go all the way up. And then the final waterfall you arrive at is King David's waterfall. Yeah. And so we went it through. Was fit for a king. We went, it was quite, fit for a king. Quite, yeah, 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 yeah. quite majestic. So we went through and we saw, we took the kids in and, we, and oh yeah, we went in the water, we did all of it. Yeah. And drank the water. And yeah, there's like bushes they had like growing over the stream and well, they it, like it, cut it, through. It, so it, was it like created a, basically like a, a natural cave almost, yeah. like a natural cave and a tunnel that at some point you had to, I was glad I have my waterproof boots, that you walk through the natural tunnel. And then at one point, of course, they, there was two routes and it said one was the wet route, one was the yes. dry route. Yes. And we took Jack, I took Jack Jack on the wet route all the way up the waterfalls and then to the point where you actually had to use handholds just to climb up the face of this waterfall and I had him holding on to me like a spider monkey. Really? Yeah. I didn't go that path. Yeah, you didn't go that path. I didn't, that's right, I didn't. That's all right, you know. You know some, some of us go a little, a little extra, but you know, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> well, we're both pretty extra. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that and, and to speak to just like nature and the Desert Fathers and having nothing, like you still cannot escape the spirit. It was a quiet faithful. place. It was a it very was spiritual place. And you could just get in touch, get grounded. Um, you could easily pray. No, no cell phone service, any of that stuff. So we finished up there. We, so King David's Oasis hit the Dead Sea, and then drove up through the night all the way north to the Sea of Galilee. That we did. We get up to the Sea of Galilee, and of course, well, I guess we stopped in Nazareth first, didn't we? Yeah, so in, I was getting confused with In Bethlehem. Nazareth, they have a, they have a great um, sort of recreation. We had a cool recreated experience of what it would be like to walk around the village in the biblical times to eat a meal that would yeah, be similar reenactment. to Christ's meal. But then we went to really, I think, the first holy site in Christianity that we visited on this trip. And it is, when you pray the rosary, it's actually the very first one, the very first, first mystery. First joyful mystery. First joyful mystery of the rosary. Saint Gabriel. The Annunciation of Archangel Gabriel to marry the handmaiden at a little, a little stream, a little well, and they have Mary's grotto, and where she said yes. So how did that feel, actually knowing that you were standing on the very hill where that took place? Where the word was made flesh? So in Latin, it has the entire, the entire piece there. It was moving, I was beside myself. I couldn't help it. I kneeled down and started, just started up the rosary. And uh, yeah, it just got really welled up and I just stayed there. It's like sometimes, I don't know from my personal experience, but time stops and uh, you kind of feel like a weightlessness to you. I actually felt it earlier today too at the Western Wall, um, which is interesting, but uh, yeah, it was amazing. 
and then to have you guys come and join me too, that was like a very, a very special we moment for our family. The, prayed the rosary right there. And beautiful basilica, by the way, very completely international. Um, almost every country of the world had a mosaic or a fresco. That was that's true of Mary. Of Mary, of the that was of the Blessed Mother. That's um, that's shown there. So it's just incredible to see a complete outpouring of actual globalism. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the other kind of globalism. That's not globalism. That's universalism. That's, that's the right. Difference. That's right. That's the difference. And so put that in your pipe and smoke it. Fealty to the King of the Universe and his mother, and so. So after that, that was when we went to Galilee afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And visited, did some political stuff as well, went to, you know, political historical stuff, met with some IDF soldiers. If anyone do something serious, we are the one who will take him down. We just, we don't just go to the fence with a, a tank. I see. We had our grandfather, he was, he worked on American tanks in World oh. War II. He was a mechanic and part of a scout, so he would go out and uh, help clear the land, make sure the maps were correct. Uh, First Armored Division in North Africa during World War II, yeah. So I appreciate what you do. Got to, got to see one of their newer tanks, uh, Malkia tank. Got to go to the Golan Heights, which was, of course, obviously a highly disputed area, something we I'm got very to an outpost. with. Um, that is, so the Golan Heights, for those who don't know, uh, Syria considers it occupied land, Israel considers it their land, having been won in the Six-Day War, 1967, that it's right on the border, but the borders between Israel, Lebanon, and Syria. So you look over one side, you see Lebanon, you look over the other side, you see Syria, it's right there. Syria, of course, considers it to be occupied yeah. by Israel. And Megiddo, we stopped by too. We also stopped by Megiddo, that's right. So Megiddo, of course, the, the site of Ar-Megiddo. Armageddon. So Megiddo is the place of, in Revelation, where we are told will be the area where the armies of demons meet with the armies of the Lord. And we're told that in the final days, that's where it will come. Which intense. Great book to read about just the archaeological um, background on Megiddo because people have been living on that hill for something like 10,000 years. And it goes all the way back to the Stone Age. So there's a great book on it called The Source by da James Michener, which I read, uh, my mom read as well, mom read that actually, mm -hmm. on the way here. And it goes back, and it's, it's a great narrative, but it also kind of, so it, it's this, it's, it, it's a book with an overall overarching narrative. It, same author who did Poland and uh, um, Alaska and Texas, bunch of ah, South Pacific, yes. bunch of books. You gave it's me a, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave you a Poland one. That um, his... So the story starts with three archaeologists who are working on the dig, but then it goes through and it tells you the story of one family all the way back in the Stone Age, then it cuts back to the archaeologists, then you pick up the family again in the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, um, Biblical times, and it just kind of goes all the way through following this one family all the way through into the 1970s, basically. Right. And so it's it's really interesting read. Highly recommend, and it's fun. It's a good it's a good read. Um, it's long, you know. That's probably the only issue. Audiobook. If you do audiobooks like I do, is a good way to find it. 
but that was uh, Tel Megiddo is essentially what, what he's talking about in the book. Well, call it Tel Makor. And to add, like, this whole time I've been, like, trying to figure, like, what I can take away from this trip and what I can do as a contributor to bring, like, my experience back to the United States. And one of the things I observed was they take care of their, their river border, <laughs> their border yeah. crossing. Well, all their and borders. They, and they have, they have a really nice wall on the other side. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? When you're, when you're talking about borders and border security, go look at the way Israel takes care of their borders, both externally and internally, because of course, because of course there's a massive wall that we drove past between um, the Israeli-controlled territory and the West Bank, so this Palesti the Palestinian territories. And we're not talking about this thing with like the slats and the little stuff, concrete, barbed wire, watchtowers, spotlights, the whole nine yards. This country, they're not messing around when it comes to that Dome. stuff. Iron Dome right. is another part of that, of course, for anti-air defense, or air defense, I should say. But same deal with their northern borders, their southern borders, it's militarized, there's military outposts on all of these things. No jokes when it comes to that stuff. And so when you're a country that wants to defend its sovereignty, or a country that wants to defend its nationalism, it's kind of interesting how totally fine when it's a country like Israel, but or, or Ukraine, but when we come back to the United States and say, I want, I want to be able to defend my country that way, suddenly you get labeled every name under the sun, you get all sorts of crazy things said about you, and you're wondering, wait, I'm, I'm confused because you said those things were good in those places, but now I come back home and say, I want that, and I want to defend my border, and I'm not allowed to. Yeah, that's what I wanted to highlight. And so, Sea of Galilee, incredibly moving experience, just to cut back to that. Town of Capernaum, Peter's home. Yeah. They, they have a church built over directly, yeah. uh, what they believe was Christ's room in that church. And they have the beach that's the right there. The synagogue he went to. synagogue he went to where he it. taught. And they have the beach right where yeah. Jesus met St. Peter and St. Andrew. Like when he was still Simon, of course, when they were mending their nets. Yeah. And he said to come and follow him. Be yeah. fishers of men. I know, and dad was just like, Where's the poles? Like, I wanna go I wanna go fishing. <laughs> dad wanted to go we're fishing. We're like, no, no, no. Of that's, course. It's not yet. It's this is a different this is a different bank. We're I've, to I've, be fishers of men. I felt fishing with I, the men. I definitely felt something walking on that beach. And of course the water's still there, the sea's still there. Um, we you know Archaeologically speaking, some of the stuff is disputed. I get that, but you know you're on the Sea of Galilee when you're there. You know that's the spot. You know that's where it is. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, I'm so grateful to just have a bit of the experience. Like and everybody has shared like having moments at these sites. Um, so. Well, the one, thing that, the one thing to understand is that about 70% of the Gospels actually takes place right there on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. And so going around the various towns, going around the various uh, settlements, of course, walking on the water, calm, quelling the storm, calming the storm, that's all right there, Sea of Galilee. That got to me because that's one of my favorite pictures of Jesus is from Peter's perspective where he's underwater. Of course. And Jesus yes. is reaching down. Yes. 
I don't know, I don't know who the artist is, but I would I would that'll always be in my house. And that's all of us. That's, that's all of us, us at that point. There's still time for There's you. Still, oh, I, right, and that's the caption. There's still time. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I wrote. Right. But I like but that yeah. caption. All sacred ground. You might when so for those times when you feel like you're completely underwater, you're done for. Christ is right there. Yeah. He's Speaking right there. of which, how about those group baptisms and the we got to we got to go visit the actual site. So coming down a little bit further, we we hopped in the cars, we drove about two hours straight through the desert, and maybe about an hour, hour forty-five, from the Sea of Galilee down alongside the riverbank of the Jordan River, which is the border between Jordan and Israel even today. And we went to the actual site of Christ's baptism. And when you go there, it's still an international border. And it's not a border crossing, so you're not supposed to obviously cross the river. But it's, it's not a wide river. It's probably, if you've ever been to the Rio Grande, it's about the same as that. Except here, it's palm trees and reeds and going through the desert. But you see the Israeli flag on one side and the Jordanian flag on the other. Soldiers here, soldiers here armed yeah. but then you see pilgrims christian pilgrims on both sides going yeah. in and of course we went into the water there um, brought the family in brought the kids in said a prayer said a blessing and and beautiful crusader churches right yeah. on the banks as well yeah yeah it just said every 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 stop is just like something else like we even had like what, what, doves. Didn't you see? Yeah, I was about to say. There was, there, wasn't there I was some just bird sitting there waiting you saw? for you guys, and then all of a sudden it was like and these doves, white doves, landed on the column next to me, and white doves. Lo and behold, you know what a coincidence, right? Just like, like in the gospel. And you, I've really got behold, a sense driving this is through. My son, with whom I am well pleased. Really got a the sense driving through appears. the desert there. That, uh, just another example, by the way, of connecting a book that you've read, a story that you've known from childhood, both childhood, both our cases, obviously, of John the Baptist. So this is where John the Baptist was, was preaching and conducting mm -hmm, his ministry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That they said that he lived out in the desert eating nothing but locusts and honey and wearing sackcloth. And when we were driving through some of those um, those desert hills and mountains, it, it was not hard for me to picture yeah. a guy living out in the middle of the wilderness because that's exactly what it looks I mean, like it's, today. It's the last gospel at the end of every, every Latin mass. You know, they say, I'm gonna not butcher it, but it's like, I, I am not the light, but I came before the light to like show who will come after me. His cousin. Right. At the end of every Latin mass, they say. And so, following that site of Christ's baptism, we made it all the way into the, city, the holy city of Jerusalem itself. And so the very first morning... Here we um, are, downtown. That's where we still are. And so the very first morning of that, I, I woke up early, grabbed the kids, and grabbed mom, and we walked all the way down from where we're staying into the old city, and it was open already. It's about maybe 7:45 a.m. You, you know, no tourists were around, and we got to have some quiet alone time in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And so, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, for folks who don't know, 
is the spot, the church that was built, it's a massive church complex which is venerated and recognized by both the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, as well as the Coptic Church, and as the site of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. This was the yeah. church that St. Helena, who was the mother of Emperor Constantine, founded all the way back in, 300, in the 300s AD. Then in 1000, 1006 AD, the caliphate came, the Muslim caliphate came and attacked the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So they built this right. giant church over the site, over where the cross stood, the Rock of Golgotha, and then you can, you can walk up even today and there's an altar on top of the Rock of Golgotha that you can put your hand under, touch the rock, touch where the cross stood, then come down on the other side, you walk across, you see the slab in the middle, and then the actual tomb of Christ is still there. That, and the word sepulcher means tomb. And this was the church that in 11, or 1006 AD that the caliphate attacked, sacked the church itself, and led into motion the events that would later be called the Crusades, when all the Christian soldiers, the knights, and the kings came from Europe, from all across Christendom, to return to Jerusalem and retake the Holy Land. Amen. Amen. And as well, we did the Via de la Rosa on the way and so, the Stations of the Cross. So right. So later on, you and I went and we did the entire Via Dolorosa. So the Via Dolorosa is the way of suffering, dolorous. And on that, it is the 14 stations of the cross, one through 10 are outside on the street, and then the last four, 11 to 14, are all within the Church of the Holy Sepulchre itself. And so the last four stations, of course, um, where Jesus is nailed, where Jesus is crucified, Jesus is laid, and then where Jesus is entombed. And we did, I, I don't think I've done an actual Stations of the Cross and said it all the way through since confirmation. Family that prays together stays together. Family that prays together stays Patrick together. Payton. Amen. Patrick Payton. Amen. But yeah, I mean, that was. That and the was, full Stations of the Cross like that. That was, that was, that was the whole shebang. I and mean, mom, to was, walk that mom was bawling, dad, dad was, was crying. Balling. Dad, when dad got in and saw the slab, I could, I he just even, started. I couldn't even look at dad. I was going to lose it. But. Yeah. Cause you could, cause dad, our dad is, he comes from that generation that you don't, you don't let your feelings out. You don't let your yeah. feelings show. You never show weakness. You never show hurt. You just keep it all. You keep it in. You don't. He just had hip surgery. Like yeah. to see him get down on the stone, no, knelt, no cushion. Knelt down in front of the slab of Christ, the thirteenth station, and was just, just bawling. And and I could tell that it had come over him at that point. That he knew where he was. He knew exactly where he was, and the power of that church, because of what Christ did there for us. Yes. And each of us as individuals just hit him directly. And the fact that we were able to be there, and I, I of course, have done it before with Tanya, but... What he continues to do. 
That's right. He exists to be there beyond with space and time. With mom and dad, with you, with the kids. That was very special. The Bible is not just a book. And if you think it is, then you're missing half the story. In fact, you're missing the, the largest part of the story. And, and I would say this as a message to even folks out there who are agnostic or even atheists and non-believer types that, look, you know, not everybody's going to be like Kevin and I uh, kneeling and, and praying in Latin inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, although you should be, but just understand that you, you can't really understand Western civilization, Western society, our history, our institutions, our way of life, unless you understand all of this, because this has been a massive part of the creation of Western society and Western culture, whether, whether you want to believe in the supernatural metaphysical aspects of it or not, that you have to at least acknowledge that this is a major, major part of what got us to where we are now, where, what is directing us still as we're going, the traditions that are being passed on certainly from, from father to son, um, and in this case, I was able to take my two children to all of those sites along with us. In some cases, literally carrying them on my back if I had to. Actually, in many cases, carrying yeah. them on our backs. But the point being that that's something... For the sake of the pilgrimage. That's something that hopefully that one day they'll be able to do with their children when I'm older and my knees are getting bad and I'm complaining in a back seat that they're taking their kids as well. Uh, my final Pray thought is, is, this is my second time to Israel, just come, just come, just hop on the plane and come, just come do it, visit the Holy Land, you will not regret it, and you will always be able to say that every time that you turn a page in the Bible, you'll realize, wait a minute, I remember exactly what that was like, because I was there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, what are you doing? In right. nomine Patris. Nomine Patris, et Filio, et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Amen. Pater Nostr, qui es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, tia voluntas tua, succat in celo et in terra, panum nostrum, quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, succat in nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationen, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission. Thank you.